Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I give our predictions for the second round of the NBA playoffs. Hope you enjoy. And we're back with another episode of the Dynamic Duo, Sean Gantworker and Derek Dawson, Front Office Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Sean. What's going on today, my brother? I'm, oh, I'm, I'm doing good. I mean, but I am curious, who do you think is a better Dynamic Duo, uh, you and me or uh, Luca and uh, Porzingis? Man, look, I, I read an article today about Kristaps. And him not being the number two option. And I don't know if anyone can be offended because no, he's not a number two option. Uh, so I think we may be a little bit better than those two on the pick and roll. I think so, too. I mean, I certainly think we're better podcasters than them. Definitely. Just because I think it would be tough to find a setup that would fit like a seven foot three tall frame. Yes. Uh, and also knowing Chris stops, he would likely break something. Of those two, um, of those two, which one could actually probably do a podcast of those two? Who do you think? Well, I will say, despite my slander and the idea that Luca probably has a little more personality, yeah. I bet you Chris Stapps has, has a lot of interesting things to say. That, that guy's been through a lot, you know, personally, professionally, and I bet buried within that willow, willowy frame is a, is a really good hot take artist. You know... I'm going to agree with you there, and I don't know why that question even popped up in my head, but I think Kristaps would probably be pretty hilarious on a podcast. Uh, unquestionably. <laughs> and uh, to his credit, he's got a couple months off to start one. Hey, who? so speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, one of our uh, – so we did our predictions for the playoffs um, for round one, and the Western Conference, we both didn't fare badly. Uh, we both picked Utah. Uh, we po- we both picked Denver, um, and then we had some differences. I had the Lakers. Sean had Phoenix, so Phoenix won that one. And and we'll get on those Phoenix Suns in a minute. You're gonna gloat. You're gloating. I know that you're cheesing from here to the stadium. <laughs> and then that Dallas Clippers game. So that Dallas team that we are talking about, I picked the Clippers in Game Seven. Uh, Sean had Dallas in Game Seven, so we were correct that there was a Game Seven. But something happened there because the home, the home team could not win the first six games. So the Clippers were going against either going to make history or break history with a game seven win versus the Mavericks. And they were able to do that. Was Do you put it on Kristaps' shoulders? Because it sure wasn't Luka's fault. I, I, I don't put it on Kristaps' shoulders. I mean... The person I think is most responsible for the Dallas Mavericks losing that series is is Donnie Nelson. Oh, their their GM. Gut, what a gut, what oh, a gut think, punch! Go, Sean. I mean, I think in the past he's done a wonderful job. Like I'm by no means calling his acumen into question, but this roster is is bad. Yes. Uh, just just it's not deep. You know, it's just Luca and a bunch of guys. 
the fact that Carlisle's adjustment to go bigger had to mean putting Boban Marjanovic in the starting lineup is an utter testament, testament to the poor roster construction. And that's not to mention the fact that they gave up Seth Curry for what essentially amounted to nothing. Like, nothing. I was in support of that trade. I like Josh Richardson, but he didn't come through. And then during the regular season, they did not develop guys like Tyrell Terry enough or Josh Green enough to try to take some of that impact out of losing a guy like Seth Curry. It was just it was just kind of another waste. You know, you have a 22-year-old superstar who is truly transcendent. I mean, 250 points in the playoffs, 72 assists, astonishing. And you're just giving him a bunch of dudes. Like, it, it, it was tough to watch because this guy needs to pull a, a rabbit out of his hat every single night on the court and he he almost did but it's just it's just a bad roster just a bad bad roster top to bottom and they need to either overhaul this thing or put a lot more into their player development staff because it's just not translating at this point but you know what though they have a lot of money falling off of their uh, books tim hardaway's coming off jj reddick 13 millions leaving i think josh richardson may decline that 11 and he he may get something larger he can get another 11 but over four years um he has a player option and so they have some money coming off of their books even being stuck with porzingis they could go get like a demar Derozan to play with luca and porzingis and and that could probably help them i th- i thought willie Carly stein would have done a little bit more but they can also probably go get an andre drummond to play alongside chris stops with demar Derozan. And and Luca, so you got the big three there, and you got a ton of rebounding with with Drummond there, and that's something Mark Cuban can do with all the money that's coming off their books. And hopefully, you could probably re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr. and and just go are, from there. Are you suggesting that they should get Drummond primarily just to rebound and put back all of Porzingis's misses? It, that's that's what he's great at. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I see the logic there, but. Remember, you and I have been speculating for, what, 18 months about what the Mavericks need? And we've always said a center. You said just, yes. just get a big. They're like the they? Charlotte Hornets. They're the Charlotte Hornet. Hornets. Oh, my God. They really are. I mean. Just get a center. Willie <laughs> Cauley-Stein, Maxi Kleiber, Dwight Powell. But, but, I mean, none of these guys are supposed to be out there for anything more than 15 minutes a day in any combination. So, you either draft a guy and you don't have draft picks, or you find someone, and you just spend the money. You like, just spend no the money. Saving, no more of you saving your resources for Dwight Howard, you know, 10 years ago, trying to get Giannis. Right. Just go in and let the chips fall where they may. Just spend the money. Go get a center for, for man, for center's sake. Come on. I mean, mm-hmm. so I, I think Dallas has to do something there. They're stuck with Chris Stops, and then he's owed $100 million over the next three years. So no one's taking that. I mean, the Warriors could take that. Because he would flow in their offense, I think, better than any anybody. So maybe you see if Wiggins and that number four pick. Ah, no, I'm not giving up four for Porzingis. Yeah, I mean that's the issue. You just you can't. I'm giving up Porzingis. Wiggins for Porzingis. I'll give up Wiggins for Porzingis. I might not even. I mean, Porzingis. I I think ideally Porzingis, you know, back in his next game, just a complete unicorn. But right now he floats along the perimeter. He gets injured all the time, and he essentially offers you the production of a seven foot three like backup shooting guard. But, but think think about it like this though: 
that's because in New York he was supposed to be the number one option, and he was just hyped like Linsanity. New York was just looking for for someone to to jump on, you know, Julius Randle. That's just they want to follow, you know. And then they figured, oh, he's pretty awesome. When he gets to Dallas, he and Luke are gonna gonna just form this dynamic duel like us. But he's hey, he's not even a B option. He's actually a C option, and that may be his lane. And no one is just he just was able to sell high and got the big contract from Dallas. So I think he is who he is. But just okay, let's put a piece in between he and Luca. I wonder if what you can do is. Yeah, you're probably going to have to keep him, but is there potential in trying to, like, swap Porzingis for Horford? Um, money is comparable. Uh, There's another year on Porzingis, but... And obviously, Presti is going to try to strip you of assets you don't really have, but I on think, the back end of your uh, roster, you know... You know what, though? I don't think any assets would need to be traded in that because they have to find a home for Al Horford somewhere, somehow, and... Maybe you get a young uh, seven-foot shooter, and hopefully he runs in and, and OKC, and, and he maybe he finds his calling there. And put him next to next to Pokashevsky almost as go. a mentor. Like, there you go. There, there's there's a lot to like there, and these are the moves I hope Nelson explores because as great as he's been at identifying guys like. I adore Dorian Finney-Smith. Mm-hmm. I love Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. I love the recla- reclamation project that was Trey Burke. He also needs to be able to not just like find these diamonds in the rough, but get the damn r- diamonds that are right on the table. Right, but but th- but come on, those players are those players. You know, Luca yeah. Luca needs some some help, and oh, yeah. Chris Stops is ain't cutting it. I think DeRozan fits in there perfectly. With Andre Drummond getting all of Chris Stops misses, kicking it back out to Luca. Hey, let's run this offense again. And I think you got some fire in Dallas with that. Oh yeah, I think Demar Derozan could actually help take you know the onus off Luca to just Definitely. be the facilitator, Definitely. get a little more off the ball. Obviously, you need to add some three point shooting just to compensate for for Derozan being there, but. I think you really could make it work, and I'm not ready to give up on Rick Carlisle's coaching right. acumen either. So yeah, I have no issue with happen. Rick Carlisle. The other, uh, the other team that we disagreed on. So we both went three and one on the Western Conference. Uh, yes. The, the other team was the Phoenix Lakers. So I picked the Clippers. I won that one, but Sean picked Phoenix. So before we get to your Phoenix Suns, what are the Lakers going to do? Anthony Davis again is injured. He's so happy he took that contract. I know he is. He said, it. I got to take this because of injury concerns. Schroeder's money comes off. Harold has a player option. So he'll, like, just go off, Harold. We'll figure you out. Um, I, do you trade Kuzma and try to get something for him? Because you're stuck with LeBron and AD. But you need to put something around them. I mean, the Lakers are in trouble, but they're still the Lakers, you know. They'll they'll find a way to inexplicably get like Bradley Beal on this team for like Kuzma, Alex Caruso, and Taylor Horton Tucker. But uh, as it stands right now, this roster uh, was exposed. Uh, the decision by Palinka to go away from guys like Rondo and Howard uh, ended up being a pretty tremendous mistake. I think they kind of chose uh, LeBron's uh, clutch representation and friends over 
than getting an actual workable roster. And that's part of the problem with LeBron James as Le GM, as uh, those, <laughs> those people on Twitter call him, right? He is not your personnel guy. What LeBron wants is he wants people that he can bully and yell at, but then count on to make the shots he needs them to make, whether that be a J.R. Smith, you know, in the past, or, or, or all the other people he's had. And if you are just a bunch of bozos, he's going to run you right over. And that's what you've seen. Committing, to, committing all that money to Davis was uh, something they had to do, but it was a risk, and it backfired spectacularly this year. Uh, Dennis Schroeder uh, completely regressed from the player he was behind Chris Ball and OKC, became infinitely more confident, and then pretty much lost himself $94 million just by running his mouth. And then, like, their big off-season acquisitions, Montrez Harrell just played himself on the court, off the court. It's, um, it's, it's, it's bad. It's a bad situation. Uh, they're going to end up having to commit a lot of money to Kalen Horton Tucker that I'm not entirely sure he deserves just because he seems like they've con- they've convinced themselves he's their best asset, and he probably is. But I frankly either see if I can do a signing trade or sooner let him walk than committing this salary cap that they do not have to him. It's um, It's very unclear what they can do to really make this work other than just shuffling, you know, uh, spaces three through 15 on the roster and hoping you find a better combination. So <clears throat> for that, for that very same reason, um, I had DeMar DeRozan going to Dallas. I'm going to have DeMar DeRozan going to the Lakers as well. And I think that they can clear enough money or even like you said, do a sign and trade. I don't know if, if, if pop would, want to do would do business with the Lakers but if it if it was a sign and trade of DeMar DeRozan for said I don't know let's get Contavious off the books because they have to make yeah. you have to get Contavious away from I mean I know you're all under the same clutch and all that but okay Contavious you, you got it's time to move move that 13 million a year off you know um they're still paying Luel Ding that's crazy <laughs> And then they have Kyle Kuzma, thirteen million. Like they can pretty much would pop re-sign, sign and trade Demar Derozan for Kyle Kuzma and and Contavious Caldwell Pope contract. Would pop do that to benefit the Lakers? Because he'll be getting back some players he could actually use. It's tough to tell, right? Basketball wise, I think I'd do it, but I. Uh... I mean, Pop has, has uh, proven time and time again he is unwilling to help the Lakers out, and rightfully so. Right, so but if Demar Derozan, for it. but if Demar Derozan is leaving anyway, and you're going to get Kyle Kuzma, who will, I think can be Sean Elliott all over again for Pop, I really do. And Contavious Caldwell Well Pope, you're not getting players in a salary dump. You're getting two players that'll listen to Pop, and Pop will work with them, and they'll they'll run with Dejounte Murray and those guys. So it's not a bad look. Do you kind of like do a deal with the devil, so to speak, because you're getting Kyle Kuzma and KCP back? I, I do it. I think you might have a higher opinion on Kyle Kuzma than even Kyle Kuzma does, which is impossible. Uh, but I, I think I'd still make that move. Think, think about it this way. Just think about yeah. it this way. Remember when Sean Elliott was going to get traded from San Antonio to Detroit and someone failed physical? That's right. So I always thought, so Sean Elliott had to go back to San Antonio. 
Okay, then they started winning, <laughs> right? I always thought if Sean Elliott would have ended up in Detroit, he would have got lost. So I, I felt like him staying under Pop's tutelage made Sean Elliott the player, just like Tim Duncan, just like David Robinson, just like Avery Johnson, just like uh, Tony Parker, just like Manu, just like all of them, Steven Jackson even. They, they, they experienced something different. I think Kyle Kuzma, that L.A. life, messed with his head. And I think if he went to like a San Antonio team, he would be the star that you probably saw a glimpse of once or twice a long, 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 long time ago. I think that could very well be. I mean, remember the player Kuzma was before LeBron? It was promising. I mean, there was a time when these people were crazy, but they were comparing him to Jason Tatum. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it was very favorable. Favorable, excuse me. Uh, so I, I'm not willing to give up on a guy like Kuzma. I do think he needs to find a different coach. He needs to find a different philosophy. I think his confidence in himself remarkable and admirable, but you've seen it the last two years when a guy like Michael Porter Jr. is going after him or, or even this year with, like, Mikhail Bridges, he works himself up into a lather and is taking these shots that I find inexplicable and LeBron takes inexplicable. So... I think he needs to be around that staff with Popovich and Becky Hamden and Chip in England, get a coaching, get that shooting coach in the gym with him. And like, like you said, um, have him working in a system that's methodical and he can just execute an offense. So if the Lakers were to get that, that deal done with DeMar DeRozan, I think Kyle Lowry should then follow yes. DeMar. I was going to say that. And over to the Lakers. And now you got something cooking with, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Andre Drummond. And you might have one more shot to win a, a title. That's that's a one-year window, though, right? That's a one-year That's a one year window. That's Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Uh, I mean, like I said, the Lakers are going to find their way out of this. And somehow, in like three years, they're going to have Chet Holmgren and Imani Bates. Um, but... Right. Boy, does that future right now sure look like, you know, Anthony Davis, what's going to be a 30-year-old Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and maybe, just maybe, a 29-year-old Alex Caruso. Like, it's... So, they won a championship, but right. still... You, you got to get one more to make that money work, because look at these numbers for Anthony Davis. For the next $35 million, $37 million, $40 million, $43 million. That's and LeBron still has forty one and forty four, and he's gonna go get one more. Now, I think LeBron will take less on his next deal. He better if he wants to win, because. But I think if you got a Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan, and and you lose Kuzma and and you can keep THC, I think you'll be okay with that. But still, we're talking about LeBron James here, right? Right. In two years. Is LeBron James going to still be as committed to the Lakers as he is right now? He's won his ring. He's filmed Space Jam 2. Right. He's managed to stigmatize the entire world of police officers against him. Like, he's he he's, he, he could just leave, right? Yeah, I don't know if... I mean, he could. I, I, I always envisioned LeBron getting the Vegas franchise. Yeah. So he could be perfect timing because that's when they'll be probably ready to to expand with Seattle. Because um, I doubt the, they'll let the Timberwolves leave Minnesota to go to Seattle. I doubt they, they would. should. Yeah, they should let them to go. Yeah, I mean, my apologies to to Minnesota, but why do you say that? 
I just think it makes sense. There, There is no basketball tradition in Minnesota other than what the Lakers, the Minnesota Lakers, and that brief, you know, beautiful uh, Cassell-Garnett combination were able to provide. Oh, and yeah. I just, uh, I just don't necessarily think that the uh, the outrage would exist in the absence of the Minnesota Timberwolves, particularly mm. when they're surrounded by a lot of those really good Midwest teams. Right. Whether that be the Pacers, well, right. I just call the Pacers a good Midwest. I know team, what you mean, though. There's a lot of know, ball up there. There's places there that's not necessarily available in the Pacific Northwest when the closest you come to a good basketball squad is like, you know, the Toronto Raptors, Portland Trailblazers and whatever Antifa does on the gym and a gym every Sunday, you know, like it's 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 rough. (laughs) I'm being very explosive. (laughs) I'm loving I'm hearing you, man. I'm loving it. (laughs) I, I get it, though, but I just I guess. Minnesota could, but they still need to expand, and you got to expand by two. So maybe and you can't just contract and then expand. You're you're right. Yeah, so keep Minnesota there and just. I will say you got some beautiful stadiums in like Kansas City and Louisville. There, there are some. I think Kansas City they have a stadium ready to go. So maybe I mean they're making money. Why not expand by four? Why not? I think what we found. I mean, do we what, think what that we that's too too time, aggressive? Right? That's not too aggressive, is it? No. What did we talk about last week? We talked about the overtime elites, right? We yeah. G League. It's like there is an insatiable need for more good basketball. Why not and expand the draft to expand the draft to three rounds? Your second and third rounders are um, going straight to your G League. Um, I think if you go, you go two first, and if you do Seattle and Vegas. Then you move New Orleans to the Eastern Conference. You move Memphis to the Eastern Conference. Yes. And I think you're good to go. And then in two years later, I don't know what Denver may have to go to the. Uh, they can't be Eastern Conference or Midwest. Uh, you got to make figure out where that line is because now you're talking about Houston, and I don't think they're an Eastern you Conference Oklahoma, team. You could possibly do Oklahoma City over to the east. You could do Oklahoma City and Louisville. Yes. And then you put and you put Kansas City onto the Western Conference. There you go. You put Seattle's G League team in Vancouver. Yes. And that would get those fans back on board, and you're good to go. Exactly. I do have a few demands, though. What's that? The Louisville team does need to be called the Kentucky Colonels. Okay. And ideally, the Missouri. You know, I mean, I don't know how you're going to pull this off, but I would like to see the spirit of St. Louis used in some way. I, 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 uh, not in Kansas City, bro. That's right. You can't, you can't geographically do that. Although I will say. They're like, nah, we're good. It's like the San Francisco 49ers, though, being in Santa Clara. Right. right. Oh, I, I definitely understand that. Definitely. Yeah, you're right about that. So it's like the New York Jets and Giants playing in Jersey. In the Meadowlands, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Um, it's shocking, folks. We need to address this. Definitely. Definitely. So we both finished 3-1. and one. I'm on the Western Conference, so good job, Sean. Um, on the Eastern Conference, Sean beat me on that one. I was two and two. I picked Philly and Brooklyn, New York and Miami. Sean picked Philly and Brooklyn and Milwaukee, so he got three of those right. And then he picked. We both picked New York. So, man, it's crazy, Sean. After I picked New York, I said I woke up. From a from a dream, and I said, Atlanta's going to the finals. 
And this was prior to them beating Philadelphia in game one. So I'm putting this on on recording now. After game one, I, now I had this, this, we recorded because I didn't want this to go any further. So this is not, I have text messages to some of my buddies saying this two weeks ago or a week ago. Atlanta's going to the final, Sean. They're going to beat Philly and they're going to beat Brooklyn. And guess, and, and my pick in my Western Conference is still on track because I'm still picking them. You remember who I had for the Western Conference, my Western Conference finals? Um. Was it the Clippers? It was the Clippers. That's right. So the Clippers are going to play the Atlanta Hawks in the finals this year. I'm just letting you know that. I don't know who's going to win yet. That'll be TBD. But let's get back to the New York Knicks. Was it epic failure? Did they um, get there too fast? Were they playing with house money? What happened to the New York Knicks? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the team was remarkably disappointing, um, particularly for a team that was getting there defensively the entire year. Uh, ultimately, their their offense, and specifically, I hate to just call him into question, but what Julius Randle did throughout that series was uh, <laughs> mostly unacceptable, really, for, for a lead option. Uh, 18 and 12 looks great on paper, but mm-hmm. when you couple that with 30% shooting and 33% from the line, I mean, what were our X factors for that series? We said, uh, I mean, Derek Rose needed to show out. Well, guess what? He showed out. He was 48 and 47 from the field in three. 19 points a game, four rebounds, five assists. That's unbelievable. You get those numbers from a guy that you required from Detroit for next to nothing of the trade deadline. You should count on guys like Randall and Barrett and the rest of that roster to facilitate some sort of success. And uh, this younger Atlanta team not only wanted it more, just uh, just took them apart in every phase of the game. So as much as I love Tom Thibodeau, and I truly do love the man to death, uh there is a lot to be said about whether these guys were just burned out in addition to just being under-talented and overrated. And uh, this is a very, very important offseason that they need to capitalize. They need to get a little more talent. They need to get another. They need to get a superstar and uh, ride it back because uh, you can't say you're taking New York basketball back from Brooklyn, from Brooklyn and then get a gentleman sweep from an upstart Atlanta Hawks. You know... It's tough because 19, 18 and 12 from Julius Randle does look good on paper. But I think that series may, before the series started, he made an extra $100 million. After that series, I think he lost 25, 30, maybe even 50 of that. Um, I think that Julius Randle's a nice player, but I think New York was ready to just crown the next New York guy. I mean, they were thinking he was Patrick Ewing or, or Bernard King even. You know, and I think that's dandy. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like mm, you're a great number two option. You'll be Charles Oakley to Ewing. How about that? You know, or Anthony Mason to Ewing. That's even better because you can score a little bit better than Oak. Um, R.J. Barrett. I'm still not. Jury's still out on on him for me. I haven't seen anything from him. Um, I don't want them to spend too much money on Derrick Rose. You know, he made seven and some change. I don't, I don't, I couldn't give him more than 10, 
I, I think you probably disagree with me there. Um, Burks, nah. I mean, he's a great role player, but uh, yeah, no, no. I think I need to give Obi Toppin a little bit more play. Yes, and, and definitely see what he and and Emmanuel quickly got going on. You know, um, I don't know what happened to Mitchell Robinson, but okay, let's find us another big, and then let's just rock with it again and sign us one free agent. I don't know who that free agent is though. Who? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he exists either. It's a bad class. Yeah, I don't, not for them. Yeah, because I mean, Ka- Kawhi's not going there. I don't care how much money you throw at him. No, Kawhi's not going there. Yeah, uh, I don't want Oladipo. <laughs> no, I unless I can get Oladipo for an incredible discount. I just can't risk it. Do I want to throw fifteen, twenty million a year at Kelly Oubre? No. Oh God, I don't think I'd throw like nine million a year at Kelly Oubre. Now I'd throw some money at, at Lonzo Ball. I, I would do Lonzo Ball, particularly because they need a point guard. Right. You cannot just keep running a, some combination of Alfred Payton and, and Frankie Nicotine out there. Right. Right. It's yeah. Disastrous. I think you go get you go throw your money at Lonzo Ball or. I don't know if Chris Paul is on to something with this taking a team to the promised land and then bolting. I doubt he leaves Phoenix. I doubt he leaves Phoenix, okay? But let's just hypothetically say, you know what? I got Phoenix. I don't mesh with them. Lonzo Ball, you come to Phoenix now. I'll go to New York and and do something there for my last couple of years. I don't think he'll do that. Depends on what happens. I think had he lost to the Lakers, I'd think about it a little more, but I don't think that happens. But Chris Paul in New York is awesome, and they'd love to absorb his contract. I think so, too. And I think uh, Thibodeau would love to work with a, a guy like that who can be the floor general that his offense thrives on Ooh. and let, let Julius Randle have to do less of the facilitation. But I think what we found with Chris Paul is um, he's kind of a West Coast guy, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma City was is, is a Midwest team, but yeah. the angle is a little more you know west than it is mid. Yeah, uh, Houston, uh, L.A., Phoenix. Yeah, I I do think his family is happy. Yeah, and I do think they've uh, they've reached a point where he might just want to find that that one last place. And whether it's Phoenix or not, I'm not entirely sure he'd want to be like, okay, New York, New York media market, destroy me while you see if I can still right. play. Right, I think you're right. I think you're it's right. A, he stays there. So let's say a guy just popped up in my head since we're talking about absorbing contracts. I think Russell Westbrook works in New York. Oh, I mean, that would be fun as hell. I think that would be outrageous. I think he and Spike would have a great relationship. And I think he could then push Julius Randle to be his B guy. Yeah, I, I think what they need is a little attitude. And they need a little attitude. And Randle tried to be the tough guy, but he's a good second tough guy. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. You cut off there. Oh. Uh, Randall? Yeah. Yeah, Randall, he's a good second tough guy. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I would also think um, a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie they could explore. Mm. If, if he gets a good health, uh, good, good reading back on his health. Mm. Um, that, that's a guy who's, who's versatile. He can probably play one through three for Thibodeau. Uh, he can he can really work his butt off for him and, and fit well in that system. Could you could you guys, throw a couple dollars at at Denzel Valentine? I just read that name and um, I think it would be hilarious. Yeah, why would because it be hilarious? We talked about Kyle Kuzma's confidence. There is yes. no one on this planet who believes more in himself than Denzel Valentine. Right. 
Right. And to Daniel Tenzel Valentine's credit, he's a very good passer. He tends to find himself in the right spots. It just so happens that when he's in the right spots, uh, 55% of the time, he will make the wrong shot. Mm. Uh, but Thibodeau does have uh, some experience there. And I think it would be good for him to be back under there, back under his wing. Uh, I would absolutely throw uh, throw at least a minimum contract, if not a little more, Denzel Valentine. Because I think New York might just love him. They I just might love him. might thrive there. Can you throw Andre Drummond next to Julius Randle? No, I think Thibodeau would hate him. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't think. I think you would be better off signing Nerlens Noel to maybe a two-year contract with an option for a third. Yeah. And uh, maybe trading Mitchell Robinson so you can draft a developmental big and just keep the process going because so much of what Thibodeau uh, does uh, depends on guys like Kevin Garnett and Joakim Noah to be the defensive floor general. And as talented as Drummond is, he has far too many uh, brain lapses can you, that Thibodeau will tolerate. Can you run Randall and Toppin together? Offensively, yes. Defensively, no. Okay. Because offensively, I see them just running up the score. Yeah. But the bit... <laughs> The Knicks, they get out. They can get out rebounded sometimes, but other times when when Randall's on, it, it opens up the rebounding for the other guys, team re- rebound. So I think Toppin would benefit from Randall's rebounding techniques. Uh, I think so too. I think um, he found himself in a pretty good situation, like we said when he was drafted. Uh, Toppin is very much complete offensively, and. Uh, once he shores up his lashes, uh, those lashes, those weaknesses yes. under Thibodeau. Uh, Are you looking in the mirror right now as you talk? As you're talking to me, <laughs> I am uh, blushing. Yeah, with your lashes on. <laughs> yeah, with my beautiful fake lashes. Uh, it's a, it's it'll be an interesting situation uh, constructing that roster because on paper it's insane. Like it's just a bunch of. Of pretty decent role players who meshed into something good, like Alex Burke and Reggie Bullock and those guys, uh, they certainly fit an immediate need. But I do think they are replaceable. It's just replacing them right, right. with uh, with the right kind of people, and uh, you can't gamble on on more offense. I think I think you have to go defensively. Like, wouldn't a guy like Rishon Holmes be incredible for Thibodeau? I'm yes, I like Rishon Holmes. We're going to talk about that, Rashawn Holmes. I have some ideas that he can go to a team like Toronto on a rebuild or New York, like you said. Um, So definitely. It depends on – and you can overpay in New York to get him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's do our picks for the – so, Sean, you finished 3-1 on the West. I finished three and one on the West. You finished three and one on the East, so six and two, and I finished two and two, so I'm five and three. I'm one game behind you. You're doing great. Let's pick our uh, Eastern Conference uh, divisionals. Uh, let's go with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. We've already played one game, and Brooklyn uh, is up one zero. I still have Brooklyn winning, but I'm proud of Milwaukee um, beating Miami, and I think that that was totally necessary. I'd like to see Milwaukee get to. Uh, I'd like to see the series get to a game seven. James Harden is is re-injured his hamstring. Um, what do you got to say about Brooklyn and Milwaukee in this next divisional round? 
it's hard for me to make a statement just not knowing what's going on if James Harden. Mm-hmm. But given that Harden went down so early in that game, right? We saw the Nets without Harden play the Milwaukee Bucks as right. healthy as the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be for the rest of the series, right? And they still took it to them, right? I certainly don't want to think that the Bucks are going to keep shooting. What was it like nine some thirty eight outside the paint? Do you have that number? No, I'm looking for it now. Keep going. It was, it was either nine from thirty five or nine from thirty eight outside the paint, right? Mm-hmm. But we look at even what they did against the Miami Heat, and they're still shooting thirty one percent from three. Like, even if that number budges up a little, they don't really have the shooters, particularly because Bryn Forbes is incredibly inconsistent. Uh, White Dante is hurt, and like Chris Middleton just tends to disappear a lot in these moments, which is why you and I have constantly argued him about uh, arguing with him being the perfect number three guy for a championship team, but maybe being a little out of sorts, being this highly paid as the number two. They shot six Um, for thirty from three point uh, twenty percent. That's crazy. And I don't want to say that will completely continue, but that being said, even when they're not shooting like that, they're getting beat up on the inside uh, defensively. Mm. And they shouldn't be because that's why you're paying Brooke Lopez, who, had a one, who was the only other guy who showed up game one. But that wasn't enough. No, It and- just isn't enough to beat a team like the Brooklyn Nets who can just, you take your eyes off one guy and Joe Harris is floating off the wing and burying a three. Man, the crazy it's, thing about it is Harden is registered as playing one minute, guys. So yeah. Kevin Durant hit for 29 points. He can do that in a sleep. I love what Blake Griffin did. <laughs> I, I, I I was hoping that Blake Griffin, now he's like, you know what? I got it. James, don't even trip. We'll see you next seat, next round. Um, Kyrie Irving's going to continue to Kyrie Irving, like you said, Joe Harris. So if they beat Milwaukee without James Harden, I still have them beating Milwaukee in this series. What's, what do you have as far as uh, the series itself? I think it'll probably be a 4-2. 4-2? I think yeah, it'll I, be 4-2 as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Milwaukee, they're a very good team. Yes. Like, we're not slandering them here. Right. I will probably slander Mike Budenholzer at some point. Just because his insistence on not playing these guys any minutes, along with his conviction that the drop defense will eventually cause Kevin Durant not to hit wide-open three-pointers, I think it's 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 bad, and I don't think he's the guy to get them over the championships. But Man. he's certainly a B a B B plus coach. Like right, because the things he well, did in Atlanta and the things yeah, he's doing in Milwaukee, Milwaukee alone. Right? Yeah, exactly. He's 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 a fine coach. He's just not. He's Doug Collins, not Phil <sighs> Jackson. Oh man, uh, that's brutal, Sean. That's like I talking mean, about somebody's mama right there. <laughs> I apologize to Mike Budenholzer and his mama. But you, you got yourself in a situation where uh, he's Doug Collins, not Phil. Oh, right. At least I didn't say he was Chris Collins. At least you didn't say he was Phil Collins. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I can I hear it. Slander in the yeah, air tonight. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. Hey, uh, Giannis had 34 and 11. He can keep that up, but I do need Drew Holiday to get about 23, 25 points. I need Middleton to not score 13 points. I need him at that. I need him at that 19 point per game as well. So we'll see what happens with Brooklyn. Um, The other Eastern round is Philly and Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's up 1-0. You already know my pick. Um, Trey Young is becoming that dude. Um, they're up 1-0 on Philly. Uh, Joel Embiid's meniscus 
slight tear, he was still able to play and put up some nice numbers. So this is a fair series, guys. And I have Atlanta winning 4-2 over Philly. Uh, Doc Rivers starts sweating, meaning, no, his job's not in jeopardy. I think his name now becomes, can, is it Doc? Like, I think Ty Lue winning and continuing to, let's just say Ty Lue got to the finals and yes. Doc lost in this round. I'm saying what they may start saying when Atlanta beats Philly. That's all I'm saying. Could it be how KG and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen were just that spectacular and Doc can't do it? I hope that's not the case, but Atlanta's going to beat Philly, so that story is going to happen anyway. Well, who is Doc Rivers, right? Is he the guy with the Ubuntu uh, Boston Celtics, or is the, he the guy who had a pretty woeful tenor, tenure in Orlando? couldn't get his guys over the top in Los Angeles and uh, now just had a team that slept walk for three and a half quarters against the upstart Atlanta Hawks. And I, I, I truly can't say I've never thought Doc Rivers is a spectacular coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a fine guy and a good leader of men. But what we saw yesterday was Nate, Nate McMillian, Nate McMillan systematically outcoaching him able to win, able to have his team shoot just an incredible effective field goal percentage, have his team win the turnover battle pretty nicely. And even though Philadelphia out-rebounded them, they still compensated by just destroying them along the perimeter. I can't say enough about those plays that uh, Bogey and John Collins did at the end Hmm. when it looked like Philadelphia was surging back and Atlanta, they just buried them. It was the fruition of the offseason Travis Schlank dreamed of when he had this weird roster of, of young and old, and the team just came together to punch Philadelphia straight in the face. So here's what Philadelphia needs to do. Here's what you need to do, Doc Rivers, and take notes. Ben Simmons needs to be on Trey Young for at least 36 minutes a game. It just needs to happen. If Ben Simmons is the defensive player, then, then here, as show me. Say, he said, I can sure. guard one through five. Let's do it. Matisse Seibel needs to play a little, a couple more minutes. A lot, a lot more minutes. <laughs> certainly more than nineteen, right? He has to, but that comes at the expense of someone because you need Seth Curry on the floor, and so I see the Tobias or Danny Green. I think Danny Green has to be the one that has to sit down because you got two defensive stalwarts in Matisse Thybul and Ben Simmons. You put those two guys on Bogey and Trey Young all for thirty-six minutes. Period. You got to shut those two guys down. Um, and then Embiid, you, you play the back with, you got to take on the big guys. This, that's the only way you're going to beat Atlanta. The only thing about the Doc Rivers comments that, that you made, I'm not going to be as hard on him as you are, Sean. Talking about people, mamas, man, that's crazy. You did it. You did it again. I'm going to say this. At the end of the game, Philly came back. And Atlanta almost lost that. And the people in Atlanta were getting reminisced of the New England Patriots against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. I know it went through their mind. Was that Doc Rivers then? And should we give him credit for that as well? Because you almost came back from 20 down and won. Did your engine just get started too late? And and maybe game two will kind of decide that, I think. Well, the series will definitely decide that. Um, But like you said, is he... 
Boston Celtics doc or is he Orlando Magic doc? But the Orlando Magic doc had a hurt Grant Hill. Let's remember that. And uh, Tim Duncan, who at the 11th hour decided not to go. Uh, And that changes history. That that changes history. It's tough for me to really feel strongly about this series just because of that question you posed. Did Philadelphia take this series for granted at the start of game one? sleepwalk and then realize what was happening and do it too late right because if they're that fourth quarter team we saw mm-hmm. i believe they are the team i predicted to win this series or right. beat the knicks or whatever i predicted right mm-hmm. um that being said i think you're right in that the what the hawks have done since they fired lloyd pierce and hired nate mcmillan nate mcmillan is a uh, coach of the year type stuff it is uh Proving that Trey Young is more than just the the guy who will throw salt on your bleeding body and then taunt you. No, that guy can be an assassin on the court. Yes, and uh, people like John Collins are uh, showing why uh, we thought they could be max dudes in the off season. Right, and then Clint Cabela, my lord, Clint Cabela, uh, just just amazing, just just simply amazing. Worth the trade, worth not having him for for half the season. Just. Just gorgeous basketball from Clint Capella. And this is why I, I still think you are a crazy person for saying that they're going to make it to the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. But the Atlanta- two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I would have laughed at you about them beating Philadelphia. Now I won't. I certainly won't. So if it's ever, I will screenshot the text message between me and my buddies and post it. And you'll have the date on it that says Atlanta's going to the Finals before they beat the Knicks. Okay. Before they beat the Knicks, I don't remember what what day it was, but I did it. What I will say is Clint Capella is, well, let me back up a little bit. These Atlanta Hawks remind me of those Golden State Warrior teams in that Denver Nuggets series right before Andre Iguodala got there. So they started winning the next year, Harrison Barnes. They made the trade, the Monte Ellis trade for Andrew Bogut, and they were ready to rock. That's what this team reminds me of. Bogey's Clay Tom- Thompson. Trey is Steph. Collins is a mixture of Draymond and Harrison Barnes. Capella's your Bogut. And it's just, it's Lou Williams is your Iggy. I mean, it's, Herter is shooting off the bench. It's so many guys that remind me of this Golden State Warrior team. And, and it's obvious of Travis Schlink and his connection with the Warriors, you know. And it's finally coming to fruition. I do see Atlanta, like I said, getting to the finals, shocking the world, and making a trade for Jalen Brown. Um, I see John Collins. Because I, I don't want to pay. I'm John, I love you, man. I can't give you $30 million. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can give you 18 I can give you 20 But we got a guy coming up next year that we have to give 35 <laughs> And now we're stuck and we can't make any more moves. So I trade John Collins and maybe Kevin Herter. They're going to want DeAndre Hunter back. I'm going to say you want Cam Reddish back. <laughs> it's going to DeAndre Hunter is going to be that sticking point to Boston for Jalen Brown. And I'm going to put Collins next to Jason Tatum. And on the other side of Jason Tatum, it's either going to be Herter, which will fit nicely. Or I hope it's not DeAndre Hunter. <laughs> yeah. 
because I need to keep DeAndre Hunter on my Hawks team. I need to. And Brad Stevens wants DeAndre Hunter on his team. I mean, who wouldn't at this point? Right. He's what what people thought Grant uh, Grant Williams was supposed to be. Yeah. Oh, oh, unquestionably. Uh, Unquestionably. And I'll be interested in seeing how that coaching search uh, pans out for Boston because that will tell us what kind of roster they're looking to construct. If they get a Becky Hammond, do they try to go for that Spurs type of ball movement philosophy with that incentivize getting a guy, getting a guy like John Collins in there, you know, or or not? But I certainly think this Atlanta team is is still poised to make that big move because you look at the guys they have ready to replace the guys they can trade, whether that be hopefully Cam Reddish can be traded and rehabilitate his value, or even a guy like Oneka Okwangu. Like this is a team that's playing. Solomon Hill, 25 minutes a night. They're not going to be doing that next year. And, and that and, should scare a lot of people. And, and you bring up a Kongwu. And the crazy thing about it is, let's say Atlanta wants to keep John Collins. Let's say they go to the finals. They're like, no, we gotta, we're on a, a high right now. We're going to sign John Collins and keep bringing this team back, this, that, and the other. I think Jalen Brown in Atlanta, from Atlanta, helps Atlanta get to that next stop, um, next step. Even if they do win, it's almost like the hair. It's almost like bringing in KD and trading Harrison Barnes, and yes. and I think that he helps Trey more than you can imagine because they're they're he's not Trey's number two. They're both ones, and 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 with Bo, Bo, Bogdanovich, I think that uh, they flow together. So that's what I'm saying. If I'm Boston, you can keep Collins. I think I like what I see in a Kongwu. I, he's not scoring a lot of points, but he's he's sizing up and beat a little bit, and he's not afraid of the contact, and he's getting you some rebounds. I mean, he had two points, three rebounds, so that's not saying a lot. But I see that he he's he's 19. First of all, that's the key exactly. point. He's, 19. <laughs> he's in a weird COVID, uh, COVID yeah. season. He's 19. He first. <laughs> He got hurt. You, you can't write anything on Neko Okwango. Exactly. On. And if I'm Boston, I might want to take. I take him and DeAndre Hunter for Jalen Brown. Well, remember what I said during the draft? I said that Boston ought to take their three first round draft picks and just trade them for Neko Okwango. That's it. They needed a center. Yes. They'll always need a center. And yes. it's not going to be a six foot eight guy in Richard Williams, who's an absolute Robert Williams, who's an absolute spark plug, but is either going to play himself off the court offensively or injury wise like he's a rotation piece he's not he's not the guy and even if you bring in john collins he's still not your big <laughs> he plays also, he plays big don't get me wrong but yeah, yeah but he's not a seven footer that that can also, get you those 12 I'm boards atlanta, if i'm atlanta i feel like i can make a huge consolidation trade and then get a guy like daniel tice and just yes. pay the play that dude like 20 minutes yep. as your backup four slash backup five yeah like you have your superstars. I think the worst thing you can do is bet on the wrong horse. I, I consider it very similar to what uh, Sam Presti did with Oklahoma City. Uh, betting on Ibaka and a deeper rotation and a guy like James Harden. So right. you need to evaluate these young guys, figure out whether uh, Kevin Harder, whether it's Oneku, whether it's Cam Reddish, whether it's DeAndre Hunter, who is the guy next to Trey Young. Right. And don't screw it up because it will make or break your job. Right. Well, I think the guy next to Trey Young is Bogdanovich. Now they need I to find so. that they need to find that third guy, 
And it could yeah. be either Collins, Akangwu, Reddish, or Herder. But they need to figure out who it is because they're all going to battle for it. And John Collins' contract is coming up. We got to have this solved before this because we can't make a $120 million mistake on John Collins. Yeah, I mean, you got to know your assets. You got to know when they're, uh, when they need to be moved and how they can be replaced. And I think John Collins, as amazing as he was in game one, I believe his skills can be replicated and even improved upon. Even if you lose some of that offensive oomph, you can replace that with some defense and then allow Trey Young to take even, if this is possible, so you, a bigger role as right. the floor general. So you know what, Brad Stevens? Here's what we're going to give you. You can have John Collins and DeAndre Hunter for Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart. Yes, there you go. Waiting for you to say that. Yeah, and I need one of those youngs. I kind of want that uh, little bowling ball point guard. I can't remember his name now. Is it Carson Edwards? Yes, I kind of want him because I, I think I like him a lot to back up Trey Young for a little bit. I think I want Neesmith too. I want you. I unquestionably want Neesmith too. Yeah, I want Neesmith too. So let's get it going. You can have Collins. And Herter. I mean, Collins and uh, DeAndre Hunter. And just give me those guys back and we're good. Because I'm keeping Okongu if I'm Atlanta. I can't let him go. I, I, I would too. Yeah. Especially with Capella's injury history. Yes, yes. He, and I think, he I think could, the name you mentioned, Marcus Smart, is just, it's what they tried to do with Chris Dunn and couldn't get it done because exactly. he was injured. No pun like intended. No Dunn intended. <laughs> but it's a smart move for Atlanta. Right. It is. So who you got, Philly or the Hawks? Give it to me, Sean. Oh, my God. I love how I just talked up your Atlanta Hawks for the last 20 minutes. I'm going to still say Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Hey, no worries. Uh, So Doc's not as bad as you were saying. He didn't say your mama, Doc. Sorry, brother. Doc's not bad, but also (laughs) he's got Joel frickin' Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons. Right. Um, I am going to make this bet. Uh-oh. On the Philadelphia team having slept walk in the first first three quarters of that game, mm-hmm. and being that the team they were at the end, and if that is the case, I believe they will take the series at this point in seven, mm-hmm. maybe in six, probably in seven. Let me say seven, but I think Atlanta is going to be, you know, on them, just on their asses the entire the entire series. Okay, I'm going to say Atlanta is going to win game two as well. Okay. They'll still win 4-1. Uh, I so, mean, if they win game two, I'd say Atlanta takes just takes the series outright. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, well, yes. probably in six, but uh, if, if Philadelphia wins game two, then I, I will hold to my seven. But I will also uh, really hedge so that I can pretty much say I was right, no matter what happens. So the city of Atlanta, <laughs> be careful. It's coming. You're finally getting back to you hoping. I'm not saying you're going to win a championship. Hold on. I'm saying that. Watch out. So you got Brooklyn and Philly in the East Conference Finals. You still got Brooklyn winning um, and getting to the finals? Yeah. Cool. Let's get to the Western Conference. All right. So Utah and the Clippers. So Clippers were able to pull off, um, beat Dallas. Utah, they beat Memphis. Awesome. They're kind of boring to me. Um, so Utah and the Clippers, who you got, Sean? 
I mean, who am I to doubt Kawhi Leonard at this point? I think Utah is is a really good team, and it's very much as some of its parts. Like, they run, like, nine deep. But it's just tough for me to envision a, a scenario where they can – where Kawhi Leonard doesn't realize how much is on the line, whether it be for his legacy. We saw what happened during the end of that loss uh, – during the end of that Maverick series where – we saw the guy who led the Raptors to that championship, the mm-hmm. guy who, in the span of like an off season, replaced Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker as the best player on the Spurs. I think Paul George has largely proven that he is not pandemic P. You know, maybe he can be <laughs> playoff P. And I will ride into the gates of hell with my guy Rajon Rondo. Uh, so uh, Reggie Jackson, I love the big shots he was taking. Um, I'm still concerned about that big man rotation, particularly with no Ibaka mm-hmm. and with DeMarcus <clears throat> Cousins probably not being allowed to play. And with all credit that's due to the Jazz for what they've done this season, I still believe superstars end up mattering more than anybody in this, in this series. So I'm going to say that this is a six-game Clippers victory. But if the Clippers end up clippering, it's not going to like it's just it, it blows my mind. It wouldn't be crazy for me. Uh, for the Jazz to take this handily, but I think the Clippers are are, are the I better team. Got the Clippers, okay. I got the Clippers as well. I got the Clippers beating Utah. They'll lose Game One in Utah. They have they're, totally. they're, they'll be tired. Um, they'll probably lose Game Two in Utah. They have to get catch their win. They just got out of a grueling series. But I still have the Clippers <clears throat> winning in Game Six or Seven. I'm gonna go Game Seven in Utah. Um, the other series. Denver, we both picked Denver. You picked Phoenix. I picked the Lakers. Phoenix ended up winning. Um, so Denver and Phoenix. I'll go first because I know you got a lot to say. Always do. <laughs> I think that Denver has has reached a ceiling. Now they have to decide if they can get over that. Jamal Murray's not playing, so let's get that out of our head. The emergence of Michael Porter Jr. has been expected, kind of, but not really. But they're happy, and they thought that that's who they were getting when they drafted him, if that all makes sense. And he's stepping up to the challenge. I feel that he shoots a little bit too much. He starts feeling himself, where he feels like, I can make any shot that I want to, and I can shoot it whenever I want. He pouts a little bit still. I've said this on other um, broadcasts or podcasts, whatever cast we're casting. And he pouts a little bit when he doesn't get the ball when he wants to get the ball. And I feel it's kind of like when KD was clapping at Draymond and that's what started the whole fight. He kind of does that, but he's young enough that he won't clap at somebody to demand the ball. And I feel that he and Nurkic still kind of have some little thing going on. Like, no, this is my team. Well, I'm coming to get it. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And, and, and am I wrong for that? Thinking that because am I seeing something or I'm not seeing something? What do you think about that first? I mean, I don't think you're crazy. I do. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's that natural give and take, right? Between yep. whose team is it? Uh, John, Jamal Murray going out, I don't think health matters. Just because I think it increased Porter's overwhelming, overwhelming confidence already. Yes. And I think Jokic is more than happy to defer 
But when your teammate is a is a you know just an apex predator like Michael Michael Porter, I think it's just an odd mix of personalities. So I think it's going to work for the for the foreseeable for, for the limited future, but eventually it, it might reach a point where that needs to be now. Now, real quick, yeah. there's nothing wrong with Michael Porter Jr. feeling that way because if we said. Michael Jordan did it in his second year, we would say, well, yeah, because that's what made him Michael Jordan. Or Allen Iverson was like, no, Jerry Stackhouse, I'm taking this. You know, in Philadelphia, y'all get rid of him. <laughs> Give me that Theo Ratliff guy. You know, so maybe Michael Porter Jr. has every right to feel this way, and he could be right. The only thing is, you're on a championship run. So, like, I guess... Let's deal with that later. But then next year is going to be another championship run if you're you're hopeful. So let's address it now. I just hope it doesn't cause waves. I, th- I think it's a matter of context, right? Uh, Michael Jordan walked into a locker room, right, with the corpse of Orlando Woolridge, Dave Greenwood, what, what, uh, Dave Corzine, you know, and immediately said, oh, I'm, I'm the best player here. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., who I'm not comparing Michael Jordan in that kind of way right. to. I'm neither was I. The roster <laughs> with, the, with the guy who's going to be the MVP, right? Right. I'm sure if Michael Jordan walked into, walked into the roster, walked into the locker room, and he had, uh, I, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, David Thompson. Right. He, he would have deferred unquestionably. Good one. Nice, nice person to pick. It's that era. Good one. Go ahead. Wasn't that, that was a pretty impressive. Yes, pretty definitely. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a matter of context, right? Mm-hmm. A guy knows when he needs to take over the locker room. Right. And I don't think Porter needs to do that just yet. I okay. think he has the talent to do it. He's just not quite there. I think eventually he'll find, find a, a path similar to almost what, well, not, not Kawhi Leonard, because he's a gentler personality, but the kind of dynamic where he's like, oh, I'm the future, Duncan and Ginobili, I respect those guys, but it's me. You know, it's me. And yeah, but Jokic is still young. Yeah, so I was, just, I was just about to say, yeah, but they're pretty much the same age. <laughs> they go to high school together, so they're in the same age group. <laughs> yeah. I hate it when you're right. <laughs> and, it's embarrassed me. And, and <laughs> like all those guys are young, Jamal Murray. Because you know he's salivating at getting back next year and kind of like, uh oh, Michael's trying to take this team. Let me get back to at least my number two spot. And yeah. it's a shame to even think that that happens, but it, it they're young men. They're going to, the testosterone kicks in. You know, sometimes you get lucky and a guy is just fortunate enough to have the ability to be more humble. It's something I'm currently working on, my humility. Um, but at 21, 22, it's kind of hard to, to, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I uh, I have a weird metaphor that I've been working on, and it's called uh, it's called the 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 Oasis situation. Mm-hmm. Oasis was a band, you know, full of these you know these street toughs from Manchester, England, who was uh, eighteen, nineteen years old, were asked, "Are you the best band in the world?" Their answer was yes. Mm-hmm. Are you better than the Beatles? Yes. What do you aspire to be? We aspire to be better than Jesus Christ himself, right? That's crazy. And in many ways, that became a self-fulfilling prophecy. For about three or four years, you know what they were. So translate that to professional sports. Mm -hmm. Is that level of confidence reasonable? Probably not. Is it sustainable? Maybe not. 
but should it be embraced in a young guy who has the talent and the conviction? I say, why not? So if Michael Porter Jr. believes believes in himself to that extent, I think it's in Michael Malone's best interest to embrace that, even if it's to the point of nearly tearing this locker room apart. See how far you can get there, and if you have to make a move, you make a move. But harness that talent. It's kind of reminding you of a guy who hit two air balls in Utah as a youngster, and the the new hot big that was just dominating the game and trying to curtail the young Kobe Bryant to almost appease to the Shaquille O'Neal freight train wrecking ball. Oh, yeah. So it could be the same thing, and we're just watching it play again. I, I think so, too. I mean, remember there was a time when we when they thought Kobe Bryant needed to defer to Eddie Jones. Right. right? And Nick Van Exel. <laughs> and Nick Van Exel. Yes. So, so these these things change rapidly. Yes, very. And then they got rid of them real fast. <laughs> and they cleared their way to their new future. Exactly. So, so hey, maybe you guys are just gonna have to work this out. Michael Porter Jr., do your thing. Joker, do your thing. Jamal, do your thing when you get back. You got Denver Phoenix to round us out. We'll talk about those Phoenix Suns of yours. First of all, uh, Chris Paul is just being a superhero with the bad shoulder. Uh, I'm loving Cam. I'm loving Bridges. Uh, I love what I'm seeing in DeAndre Ayton. I love what I'm seeing in Devin Booker. Uh, I have the Phoenix Suns being the Denver Nuggets. Four games to two. Sean, who do you have and why? Uh, I have the same prediction. Okay. And I want to caveat this. Yep. Uh, if Jamal Murray was healthy, uh, the Nuggets were my pick to come out of the West. Mm. Pretty much had been since the Aaron Gordon trade. Mm. Um, but I think uh, despite uh, how much I love Monte, Monte Morris, uh, right. they lack the defensive ability to match up with these Suns. They certainly have the offensive firepower. That's not in question. Right. But I believe the Suns can limit the Nuggets' offense um, enough to to compensate for more or less anything that that Jokic can do. And then you look at their regular season matchups, the three games they played, and Joe and Aiton put up twenty two points and twelve rebounds against the Nuggets. Twenty two points and twelve rebounds a game, and he's a better player now than he was then. To, to Jokic's credit, he put up 26, four, 14, and 8. But that was enough to compete with the Suns. Right. It was rarely enough to really beat them. So you add in the lack of Jamal Murray and the lack of defense, I, I don't think it's enough for this Nuggets team, who I think are great. But what the Suns did when there was blood in the water against the Lakers and Drummond and LeBron were clowning that, on them in Game 2. Right. And then Jay Crowder was salsa dancing <laughs> on the Lakers' home court, getting ejected and then skipping oh. like a freaking gazelle with a huge grin off his face. Yeah. That's the mentality of a team that's not going to lose in the Western semifinals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a team that's not going to lose. Team. Definitely. I really think it's a special team. And if Chris Paul has two working shoulders, I honestly believe that this team is going to be all business for a six-game series against the Nuggets and go into a Western Conference Finals with the courage of of, of a championship-level team. I, uh, I think it's unfortunate for Denver that they lost Jamal Murray when they did, because I think circumstances changed very, very heavily for them. 
and I don't think there's any shame to losing to the Suns team, but they're gonna, they're really gonna. So Chris Paul versus the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Look at that storyline. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's and, and and guess who's missing? Doc Rivers. Yeah. And that may be the storyline. No, it will be, especially if Doc Rivers is sitting at home. Right? The, if, especially if Doc Rivers is sitting at home. If your Hawks truly do it, I mean. Boy, is Doc Rivers gonna have a real bad off season. Ooh-wee. I mean, you see, he, he like he's you, you'll see him sweating because I always Doc's always got like a shiny forehead, and you'll you'll see him sweating. It's like, uh oh, um, sorry, Doc, I shouldn't be saying that. I got a well, I got a shiny there, forehead there too. Be sometimes a Rivers in the in this series, though, right? Definitely, definitely. And you know what? Austin is actually not doing bad. You know, he's doing his job. And that's a nice pickup after Jamal Murray got hurt. I do. I think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to average about 35 a game this series for some strange reason. And I don't think it's going to be because of him that they lose or Nurkic. I just think that Chris Paul is just on some different level right now. And it's like mental. He's teaching all these youngins how to how to move. Like he has that power now. He's He has, you know, rebranded himself since he left the Clippers. And it wasn't just a one-trick pony in OKC. He's doing it again in Phoenix, and this is just the value that it's taking it. And I think Devin Booker and all the rest of those young guys are really benefiting from Chris Paul. He might be your MVP. I wish they really judged it based on that. He he should be your MVP. And I think he should have been this year. And yes. frankly, he should have been more heavily considered last year. I think he probably should have been the second winner or the second place last year. But this year, kind of, he had to show you again. And I think he should have been an MVP this year. I, I also believe that uh, uh, James Jones should probably be executive of the year. I think you might he, be right there. <laughs> he saw what that team did in the bubble. Yeah. He had the opportunity to say, oh, this is a fluke. He gambled. Or this is something that needs to be capitalized on. He yep. rolled the dice. And uh, every single move he, he did paid off. Yeah. Even every when, single move. Even when he picked Cam Johnson. Yeah. Everybody was like, he, what? It's like, it's looking good now. Well, I will say, actually, maybe not every single move, because imagine this team with Tyrese Halliburton on it instead of Jalen Smith. Well, but, but no, 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 no. You're going to see Jalen Smith next year. And that they knew what they, he's not, just because you get picked number 10 doesn't mean you're the starter. We're going to invest in you a little bit, and you're going to be, when Aiden needs a day or two off, you're going to provide that. So don't worry about him. He's going to be just fine. Yeah, it's true, but let's let's look at this even in a in a smaller picture. He's your Michael Thompson to Kareem. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that, for the next ten not, years. Not not a bad bad example. Yes. Um, but we look at the money he gave Jay Crowder. Yeah. Which initially seemed like a heck of a lot of money. Yeah. But everybody wanted Jay Crowder. He hey. outbid Milwaukee. He outbid Miami. He outbid I'm sure six or seven teams that we don't even know about. And Jay Crowder, uh, just effectively embarrassed lebron for for 10 million dollars a year and you're gonna and you're a salsa and you're doing a salsa dance on the floor you're worth that brother so you have jay crowder now in this round of the playoffs with all the confidence in the world yes you have mikhail bridges his partner in crime who can be a swiss army knife yes. just rotating, rotating in and out and then you have devin booker who has looked at a world that said you're a volume scorer and is now just giving it the middle finger right just 
and the guy is dating a Kardashian. Right. When? Ding! Phoenix. <laughs> the dude has the world in the palm of his hands, oh. and he is molding the world into a basketball and then shooting it from 40 feet out. Hey, you had me at dating the Kardashian. I don't care about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> hey, so they're saying that Chris Paul, so he has the option of $44 million. Should he opt out? And the yes. reason being, yes. And maybe yes. do like a three-year $100 million deal? Unquestionably, yes. Yes. It would be insane for him to opt in. Yes. And um, as a businessman. Yes. Uh, um, he needs to do what's right to his for his family. And uh, as soon as his shoulder popped out, he opted out. Let's yeah. be Johnny Cochran about this, right? Yeah. There you go. Shoulder, shoulder popped out, you opt out. There you go. There you go. <laughs> he needs to bet on himself. I think he should commit to a really good uh, structure of a contract with Phoenix and stay. Yes. But I wouldn't begrudge him for leaving. I don't think he will. I, I, I don't think he would be hated. I think you, that's why I was thinking about that New York thing at first. But then you know what? The scrutiny. I'm hitting, you're, he's, from the, he's from Carolina, but I'm a West Coast dude now. I love it out here on the West Coast. And Phoenix is as close as I'm going to get. I can always hop over to LA. It's not that far. Um, I think you attach your contract to Devin Booker. So he would have, Devin has three years left. You just go do three years, 33 million a year. Hundred million dollars, and when, when, and if you leave, that's when I leave. That's when I retire, and hopefully, I got a ring or two on my under my belt. And I exactly, I think two things can happen, right? Mm-hmm. They could win the championship this year, yeah. And he rides off to wherever he wants to go, like Kawhi Leonard, right? Woo. He he gets a statue made of him. Woo. He becomes the guy of that franchise, and he's done it all in one year. He might be the greatest point guard of all time. Regardless, his legacy, unassailable. Or, or he stays. He rides out the rest of his career next to Aiton, next to Booker, next to Mikhail Bridges. He coaches that next point guard, whether it's campaign or some guy they draft. And he becomes a guy who can buy a stake in the Phoenix Suns franchise from, uh, from Sarver. And be that elder statesman, you know, like Dwayne Wade is inexplicably doing with the Utah Jazz right now. But you know what's crazy? This could all be already written. Because yeah. imagine the hurdle or the, the, the ears Chris Paul has been hearing his entire career with the Banana Boat guys. He and Melo have been hearing this. Well, yeah. LeBron's won and Dwayne Wade's won. Chris Paul, you're supposed to be great. Melo, you're supposed to be great. Why haven't you guys won? Ironically, they, he has to beat LeBron to get to his first championship run, you know, and the, it, Melo is probably the only one leaving there. I mean, left there. But imagine he wins a championship in Phoenix. I, I tell you, I tell you, I think Bron's going to get this Vegas franchise and, and maybe Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul, they all might partner up and be the owners of that Vegas franchise. I don't think it's possible. I'm not in Chris's head, Chris Paul's headspace, but just from having the opportunity to watch that guy, he was enjoying the heck out of clowning LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. He I mean, it's Isaiah Thomas, that. Magic Johnson, all over again. We're friends off so the court, too. but right now, I do not like you, bro. Like, I'm trying I mean, to win. I, mean, I think you already got yours. That's mine. It's my turn. Exactly. It's it's mine. Yeah. Or beat me. Uh, if you can't beat I, me, move out the way. Precisely. And if there was ever a moment for that guy to seize his destiny. Uh, it, it's now. I have a drink with really you after this, after my ring. I'll call you after while I'm smoking this cigar for winning this championship. I'll call you after. You'll be my third call. Exactly. We'll <laughs> go on another banana boat. Yeah. And just 
Definitely. and just mean the heck out of this off season. But until then, I'm yeah. going to be assuming I'm going to have a ring on my finger while doing it. I'm going to. I'm, I had to beat you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got Phoenix and the Clippers, and you got Phoenix beating the Clippers, obviously. But what? We'll, we'll, I think so. All right, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, let's enjoy these games, uh, Sean. It was a pleasure talking to you, my guy, man. We'll we'll do this again real soon. We'll do it. I mean, it's it's a fun one, and I'll tell you, I'm out here in Arizona, and the energy is just it's something else. That stadium was rocking, screaming BLA. They got freaking Jimmy Eat World of the Middle Fame to play halftime. It is lit in Arizona, man. So, uh, it's it's gonna be fun. When I see Kyler Murray on 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 the front row, you know, I'm just like, yep, it's lit. They had Kyler Murray, they had J.J. Watt, Diana Taurasi, freaking Alice Cooper was there. They're getting, they're, they're establishing a bit of a culture here, and it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, because the Cardinals may win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, the Bears are going to, but yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Cardinal fan, but the Bears aren't. <laughs> I mean, Justin Fields, you know, going to make a joke on those words, uh, yeah, those that's, words after yeah. uh, two serviceable games from Andy Dalton. Right. You know, uh, Throw them in there. Uh, What's the point of not being optimistic about the insanity that we live in? Let's just be positive here. Hey, Sean, once again, man, thanks a lot. We'll be talking soon, huh? Talk to you soon, man. All right. Good talk. Thanks again, Sean, for hanging out with me today. Thank you all for supporting us. You can follow us on Instagram at FrontOfficeGM. If you have any questions, if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, Drop us a line and we'll be able to get to it and get back to you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.